Um, we've got a few announcements and then we'll turn things over to worship team and the cohort. But um, the oops. <clears throat> first one is sound team. We still need people to help with sound team. And I think there's, as far as I know, maybe one person who's talked to Caperton now, or at least has expressed some sort of interest. So um, please uh, consider that and be willing to help with that. And just know that you don't have to have previous knowledge, uh, just be, be willing to, to help and Caperton and some of the other sound soundies as we affectionately call them will be willing to help you learn. Um, the COVID survey, we sent out a survey on Facebook and through the newsletter this past week. Um, and a lot of you guys have already found it, but um, we want to make sure we have as many people as possible filling that out. And that's just to help us know how to approach church over the summer. And so you can find that survey and take it super quickly even while I'm doing the rest of the announcements, if you'd like. Um, a quick way to get there is dentonorthchurch.com slash Leslie Fan Club. You can also go to dentonorthchurch.com slash COVID, um, whichever one's your favorite. So, you know, easy choice. Um, and then the marriage seminar, the third one, is going to be on June 5th at 3 p.m. And it'll be on Zoom. And this is a really exciting one. They've all been exciting, but this is one that is a little more special because we were able to get somebody from outside of our church community, a sex and intimacy therapist who has connections to our community and, and was going to come speak last year. Um, but uh, you definitely don't want to miss that one. So if you're married um, and you haven't been able to make some of the other ones, we'd love for you to have to come on this one. And it's if you go to dittnorthchurch.com slash marriage, you can see more details there. And there's also going to be a little bit trickier in terms of recording. We're not going to be able to just publish and broadcast out a recording afterward. Um, this is something that she does. She comes and speaks to different churches and, and groups and stuff. And so we don't want to just post the recording to, you know, the entire world. And so um, if you haven't missed, if you haven't been able to attend the other ones, um, definitely put this on, on your calendar to try to attend in person. It'll be a little longer as well. And there'll be a Q&A. So just um, definitely make a, that a priority to, uh, to attend that one if you can. Um, the mini book club is meeting, I think, actually for the first time today at the Trotter's house, which is at 1421 Misty Hollow. Uh, because of us meeting on, on Zoom and the weather, they're going to meet um, over at the Trotter's house. So um, any questions about that, you can direct to Shayla and also Markia. And then, as always, giving, um, you can go to dentnorchurch.com slash donate to give. And we will um, be doing that for a while still. And as soon as we get a good number of people who respond to the uh, COVID survey for how to do church over the summer, we'll release those details to you guys and let you know what the plan is going forward. So we appreciate y'all who took a, a priority and, and found that out quickly. And if there's any other announcements I missed that hadn't been sent on Zoom, it's a little easier for someone to throw those in. But if not, we'll turn it over to the worship team. I have one real quick. Um, the All Church Hangout, we're going to do that, I believe, June 12th, um, 5 to 7. It'll be at South Lakes Park. So it's just going to be bring your own food, hang out. We'll all get together. We've written, we rented, rented the pavilion for a couple hours for us to just be together. And um, we'll have yard games. And we'll post the yard games that we have already. But if you want to bring some, feel free. It's just an opportunity for us to relax and have fun. It's a Saturday, five to seven, the 12th of June. Hey, well, I'll get us started with our worship for the day. <clears throat> We're going to try something a little different. It's going to be like a full set by Denton North Church standards, which means just a couple people, <laughs> but it's going to be a full set over Zoom. So we've never done that before. Um, and our theme today is, well, our theme for the month is the kingdom of God, storing up treasure in heaven is our theme <laughs> for today specifically and the theme for the month is looking forward to the kingdom of god coming in its fullness um so this idea of storing up treasure in heaven is a little i don't know maybe sounds weird if you're not familiar with the verses that it comes from so i just wanted to read a couple things and explain to a little bit of explanation to set up the songs which will be our main uh worship today and we're not doing the discussion groups that we've been doing today um so it'll just be the singing so make sure to really bring it <laughs> So storing up treasures in heaven, this comes from uh, Matthew 6, where uh, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So one way to think about the Christian life is that it's basically the ultimate delay of gratification. <laughs> so normally when we experience delay of gratification, we mean like, you know, I'm going to forego this dessert and go to the gym and exercise so that I'll feel better in a month. But the Christian life means I'm going to forego many of the pleasures and comforts that the world has to offer and give my entire life to God until I die <laughs> because of the hope of the resurrection and life in the age to come. So if you don't believe the gospel, it's pretty insane behavior. Um, Jesus also talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. So in the parable of the sower, um, you know, some of the seeds that get choked out, they get choked out because of the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. And when the rich young ruler, uh, you know, walked away and didn't take Jesus' invitation, his comment on that was that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And that should haunt all of us college-educated middle-class people <laughs> because uh, we, we live with far greater like material security and comfort than even kings did back in Jesus' day. So we need to think of ourselves as very, very wealthy and to be very concerned about that, that verse. <laughs> um, and so we've been talking a lot in this series about uh, the kingdom of heaven coming down to earth and heaven and earth being reunited. And this idea of just storing up your treasures in heaven can sound kind of like uh, more the, the other view, which I think our church would say is, is wrong, <laughs> that at the end of this world, it gets destroyed and spirits float off to a disembodied heaven. Um, this verse can sound like it's saying that thing. Um, and so I wanted to share a short explanation from N.T. Wright. Um, just some thoughts on how to think about this verse and how it fits in, into the view of heaven and earth becoming one at the end of the age. So he says, when Jesus says you will have treasure in heaven, he doesn't mean that the young man must go to heaven to get it. He means that God will store it up for him until the time when in the age to come all is revealed. The reason you have money in the bank is not so that you can spend it at the bank, but so that you can take it out and spend it elsewhere. The reason you have treasure in heaven, God's storehouse, is so that you can enjoy it in the age to come when he brings heaven and earth together at last. And eternal life, as most translations put it, doesn't mean life in a timeless, otherworldly dimension, but life in the age to come. So in light of this great temptation before us to be choked by the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, Let's use this time of worship to refocus on living for the coming kingdom of God. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, thank you, uh, worship team, for that. Um, so today we're going to be doing a leadership training about speaking the word. Uh, my name is Manny. I'm part of the pastoral cohort uh, for our, uh, our family of churches, and I'll be giving a brief overview on just the word and, and reading the word um, and Ryan will speak about uh, goals and how to speak the word and Hannah will lead us in a case study, uh, some case studies at the end. Um, so I'll start off with some time of prayer and then uh, we can get into it. God, thank you so much um, just for, for who you are, um, just being a good, good father to us. Um, thank you for this church community and um, just being with fellow believers who are wanting to be more and more like you. God, I pray that the spirit um, is here today with us and opens our hearts and our minds to um, just align ourselves with you and your will. And I just pray that uh, we can learn more about speaking the word and we learn more about the word and um, just pray we get to know more of you and be more like you. And we love you, and we say things in your name. Amen. So uh, for the purpose of today's discussion, uh, we'll mostly be focusing on speaking the word within Christian community. Um, there's obviously opportunity to speak the word outside of our community and with non-believers, um, but that's more uh, outreach and evangelism, um, which is a whole other leadership training. Um, and to be honest, uh, 
I wasn't very comfortable with this topic of, of speaking the word. Um, I felt intimidated and challenged by it um, because I don't feel like I speak the word very much in my day-to-day -day life. And uh, to be honest, I, I feel like I, I don't even read the word as often as, as I probably should. Um, but I can't be the only one in our community that, that feels in this place uh, when it comes to speaking the word. And I think it's our topic of discussion for that reason. Um, I think we don't really do it much. And for those who do can maybe certainly find ways to grow, um, grow in how we do it and grow in how we think about it. But for me, it was definitely um, a blind spot and it's definitely a, a blind spot. So I hope if anything, it's an encouragement to you and the church to reflect on how you're doing in this area. So for starters, I think our understanding and our perspective of scripture itself influences how we read and apply the word. Do we see scripture as a set of rules that should be um, applied to us and those around us? Do we see it as nice to have principles that we just kind of sprinkle into our daily lives? Do we see it as having authority? So I actually want to start off by reading some scripture to see what scripture has to say about it itself. And these verses are probably familiar to, to a lot of us, but um, I would just focus on how the word is described. So the first verse I want to look at is John 1, 1 through 5. Um, you guys can turn there or you can just listen. Uh, I'll read it, but I would just focus on the, the descriptions of how the scripture describes itself. So in John 1, 1 through 5, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in this, we see that the word has authority and that the word is life-giving. The, the word was there from the beginning um, and that the word shines on darkness. The next scripture I wanted to look at um, is 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And that says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this one's pretty straightforward, um, but I wanted to highlight that these, these methods of using scripture are, are like teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. These are all interpersonal, and these involve speaking the word to each other. And then the next verse is Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. And this says that for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. Here we see scripture as being described as alive and active. It speaks to the power and the mystery of the word of God. It's transformative and it applies to us today. But it also mentions the word as being sharp and piercing. And I've usually heard this referred to like surgery, like it's dividing soul and spirit, uh, joints and marrow. And I like this metaphor because, you know, when you really think about it, like a surgeon, um, there's, there's purpose, you know, it's not just cacking and slashing into somebody's body, like there's purpose for, for, for getting in there, um, and there's precision, and there's repairing, and there's bandaging, and there's healing, and a recovery process with it, and when we consider our encounters with, you know, our encounters with the word of God, and see how it's changed us, I think we can relate to, to that process like surgery. And I think it's helpful to keep this in mind uh, when considering speaking scripture to each other. Um, so now I'll talk about a little bit about like just reading scripture, which 
Um, for me, like this was, you know, like I said in the beginning, just very convicting and challenging for me. But, you know, when really thinking about this topic, like my heart just kept coming here, like to really speak the word effectively to each other. We really have to be in the word and know the word. Um, so, yeah, duh, right. Like this, this is important, though. Um, when and, and I'll dig into this a little more, but I think that like how we read scripture even matters. Um, you know, understanding the context. Uh, do we know the author? Do we know who they're addressing? What they're talking about? In the same way that we shouldn't just, you know, read something and immediately think how this, how does this apply to me? Um, you know, the same with, with applying the word to others. You know, we have to understand the context around it. And we're only as good as sharing what's written on our hearts. So if we're only reading the Bible to just get an idea of it, uh, then we're going to be loosely sharing ideas. Um, when you think of like the like the game of telephone, like if you're just really not paying attention to what somebody said and you're trying to pass it along, like you're probably not doing a very good job of effectively communicating what the person person's wanting to say. And I think the same applies to, to scripture here. And if we're reading just to read, how will it be effective in our ministry? You know, if it's just something that we're checking off um, to do because we know we ought to do it, um, how does that impact our ministry towards others? And I think the expectation here isn't to be perfect. Like the Bible is challenging. Um, we use other resources to help us understand the Bible. Um, but the Holy Spirit is here to help us and guide us in hearing the word and understanding the true character of God. And uh, if you're not doing the work to read and understand the word, uh, then you won't be able to retain much and share much. And then another thing is just like those pieces of truth that we get from scripture that we remember, like certain principles or ideas, um, those things of scripture that we kind of remember out of context. Um, and it reminds me actually of in high school, for me, like, you know, if you're a Christian, you like found a way to show that you were a Christian. So for us, it was like putting a, a verse on our varsity letter jacket, right? Like um, your favorite verse. And, you know, I thought, I thought I was cool because I put like Luke 137 on my letter jacket, which was like for nothing will be impossible with God. And I, I thought I was cool because it wasn't like the Philippians 4.13 verse, which is like, uh, I can do all things through Christ. He strengthens me. Um, you know, everybody else had that. So I, I had to be a little different, right? But clearly that was like out of context because <laughs> if I read that in context, I would have saw that that was a quote when uh, the angel was telling Mary about, um, you know, she'll birth Jesus, the, the son of God. Um, as a virgin and telling her that nothing was impossible with God. So it's kind of funny to look back on my high school life struggles and compare it to the, the virgin birth. And, you know, it's just kind of funny to think about, but it's, it's juvenile, but it's, it's an extreme example of like how fractions of the truth isn't the whole truth. We have to try to understand the whole truth. And when we read the word, we need to see both the truth and the grace and the word of God. And I think this is really important when we speak to others because uh, we may lean more towards the truth or we may lean more towards the grace. And um, for folk, like, it's good to think about this when we're reading, like, are we just focusing on the truth and the conviction when we read, when we read the word? Or are we just focusing on the grace and forgiveness and not thinking about the judgment of it as well and the conviction that it comes with? Either way, if we lean in one direction, more in one direction or the other, we can create a blind spot for ourselves of who Jesus is, because Jesus is both our judge and our savior. And it's not just about reading the word, um, but letting God change our heart through his word. And our words and actions will be, be fruits of that. And when it comes to reading the word, uh, this is where spiritual disciplines and accountability are super helpful. I think it's a great opportunity to have accountability within LTGs. You know, that's kind of a, 
a plug to also sign up for LTGs, which I think is in the, in the newsletter. Um, you know, whether you're reading the Bible together in your LTGs or asking regularly how you're doing with your, your time in the word, um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity to have that peer accountability with people within the church. And, you know, I would encourage you to make time for regular reading with the word if you have lost track or if you haven't in a while. And if you have been regular in reading, just challenging you, um, like, and how, thinking about how that's really going and if it's kind of become more of a checklist item or if, you know, that's a space where you let God speak to you and, and his word pierce you like we saw in the scripture earlier. And then for discipline, I just would find a time that works for you, whether that's daily or once a week, uh, like any discipline, we have to start somewhere and we have to have grace for ourselves along the way. And one of my, you know, favorite ways of uh, like spiritual discipline when it comes to reading the word is, is actually meditating on the word, which I feel like has been pretty new to me and I don't even do that regularly, but we, we did a spiritual uh, discipline lab uh, back in the fall on this with the cohort and some of you guys participated in that. But, you know, I think that uh, with meditating, you just, you just find a verse or, or a phrase or a single word of scripture and really meditate on that and, and chew on it for a period of time. And it lets, you know, the word and God's word dwell into your mind and into your heart. And I feel like whenever I've done this in the past, like it just really helped me and like changed my perspective and understanding of scripture. Um, even scriptures that I'd been already familiar with, like the story of Zacchaeus and just meditating on that for, for a while and for a few days um, really changed my perspective. Like something that I had heard so often, I felt like I had a deeper understanding of that story and Jesus's encounter with Zacchaeus. And I felt like I took a lot more from that. Uh, and then having scripture on our hearts, you know, isn't just about ourselves and our relationship with God. Um, you know, we talk about it a lot inwardly, but I think there's opportunity to see how that, you know, is, can be displayed outwardly. Um, so it's not just about our, uh, an act of showing God that we love him, but I think it can also be an indirect way of showing love to our neighbors uh, because, um, you know, when that opportunity comes, we are equipped and prepared to do the good work God has intended for us to do. We spend a lot of time together in our church uh, in community together. Uh, we have our Sunday services like today. We have our weekly small groups, our LTGs, one-on-ones with people. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of life together. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to speak the truth in one another. When it comes to speaking the word to each other, I think we need to be, be checking ourselves, um, understanding our hearts and motives with speaking, speaking truth. Um, because I think it's a good reminder to that, that it's not our authority, it's God's authority. Um, it, his word is his, his authority, let it speak for itself. And I think there's good news there because it's not on us. You know, it's not us who changes people, it's, it's God uh, and it's the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I think that there could be some pride there. Like if we feel like we speak the word effectively, like, like we did have that, you know, that one opportunity, we felt like we like really gave them the, the truth that they needed to hear. We did it with grace. Um, then, you know, are we leaving that situation um, and having our, our pride, you know, uh, fluffed up? And, you know, just as a good reminder that it's, it's God, it's all God, and to give credit where credit is due. Um, and then I would also just remind to be gentle and humble, um, share out of love and serving uh, the other person. It says in Galatians 6, um, brothers and sisters, um, if someone is caught in a sin and you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently, uh, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the, the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something that they are not, they deceive themselves. 
but here we're told to to be gentle and to be humble um, and to to share out of love uh, for the other person. And uh, I, my ultimate hope is that we can all grow in uh, being more like Christ and how we share um, the word to each other and speak truth and love to one another. And with that, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to Ryan, who's going to ex expand more on, on the how when it comes to sharing the word. All right. Good morning, y'all. So my name is Ryan, and I'm going to talk more about the how, um, how we speak the word to each other. And I think, like Manny, as I started digging into this, I felt very convicted and challenged. So um, I come to you as like, I'm a peer here. I'm trying to grow in this as much as y'all are. So I'm excited. The things that I've been thinking about um, to grow in this together with all of you. So when I first started thinking about this part, um, I broke things up in a very mechanical way. Like, our, how do we paraphrase scripture? How do we quote scripture as it is? When do we like use chapter and verse? And uh, yeah, I just found this mechanical, these mechanical categories were not that helpful in thinking about how do we actually do this? And when is this actually appropriate in real life? So rather than going through like these technical mechanics, um, I'm gonna talk about some different goals and different situations where we should really consider speaking the word to each other. So the three like overarching goals will be um, speaking the gospel to each other, speaking the truth and love and encouraging one another. And uh, you know, as we go through this, I know that we are like a note-taking community, and I think that's really good. But I think now is a good time to like, in your mind, in your imagination, think about yourself, think about your friends, think about different conversations that you've had, and um, try to imagine different ways that you can speak the word into those conversations or into those relationships. Um, I think if we, engage our conversation, engage our imagination in this conversation, that will be a lot more fruitful than just taking notes. So if you can think about those things, think about real life conversations as we go through this and try to imagine how this stuff applies to those conversations. And uh, also if you have any other ideas about how to do this, any better thoughts, please, send them my way. Um, I would love to learn more about this from any insights that anyone else has. So we'll start with this idea of speaking the gospel to each other. So if you're like me, you hear speaking the gospel, and the first thing you think of is evangelism. Obviously, like that's the only time we speak the gospel, right, is when we're evangelizing to people. But I don't think that's true. Um, I think evangelism is a very small piece of that and certainly necessary. It's how we all got here. But I think the gospel is for all of us all the time. We always need it. And I think it's worth asking yourself the question, do you believe that the gospel is still good news to you and your friends? And if you do believe that, then don't you want to be reminded of that? And don't you think your friends ought to be reminded of that, your fellow believers? And, you know, if you don't believe the gospel is still good news to you and to the people in this community, um, it's probably worth thinking about, like, why don't you believe that anymore? Did you ever believe it? Um, do you fully understand the gospel? Maybe you've gotten distracted and, you know, worries and concerns of this world or other wisdom from this world is like crowded that out and you don't think we need the gospel anymore. And if that's the case, I would really encourage you to talk to someone about that and pray about that and ask God to show you how the gospel is still relevant to you right now. Because I believe it is. I believe it's relevant to all of us all the time. And it, it is the big deal that we ought to be thinking about and talking about. So what does this mean? The word, it gives us the story of God's interactions with us and our need for his help and ultimately 
this rescue plan that he is enacting now and will be enacting in the future. So when we speak the word to someone, whatever that looks like, we have a chance to help people put their lives within that story and see how their lives fit into that story and communicate the good news of the gospel to them in the context of that story. The Bible is not just another collection of wise sayings or self-help things. Um, as much as it might appear that way from the way it's often used in social media or um, the way that like proverbs tend to be dropped in books that have nothing to do about God, these like, you know, pithy wise sayings. Um, the story of God is so much bigger than those little pieces that we can drop out of context. I'm not discounting God's ability to work through these random quotes. You know, he is God. This is his word. And I believe he has the power to work through it, however it's used. I don't want to discount that. But if we as people are going to try to be more intentional about how we speak the word to each other, then we should be careful and not haphazard about it. Like Manny read from Hebrews, um, the word is sharper than any double-edged sword. So if I have a sword, I'm not going to be like careless about how I use it, right? I'm going to be very thoughtful about the way that I use it and very intentional. So I would suggest that that is the way we approach this. Um, we're not going to thoughtlessly just pull scripture out of the Bible, but we're going to very thoughtfully consider the gospel and the story of God and how we fit into that and how the people we're talking to fit into that and use that as the foundation of the way that we speak the word to each other. So practically, what does this mean? Um, I don't think it means that we have to tell the whole gospel story in every conversation. Every time we bring up, we want to like insert the word into a conversation. Um, that would be overwhelming, probably for all of us, and uh, probably wouldn't be very effective. So what I do think is that as we share the word, um, we give context, we share what's appropriate, we show people where they are at in the story of God, and uh, you know we point them to what lies ahead. I don't think this means we have to cover all doctrines and all themes of the story of God every time. Right, we're speaking to individuals, individual situations, individual conversations. So we just need to be wise about what's appropriate for the situation and just share what fits in there. But with this understanding that we are fitting into a much bigger story and we're pointing people in a specific direction because of that. Um, I don't think this means that we need to share memorized or precise quotes, right? We don't have to have like verse and chapter of everything memorized and like whole pieces of the gospel memorized in our mind that we're just like mechanically spitting out. But like Manny said, we need to be reading the word. We need to have the word in our hearts. We as people need to understand the gospel and its impact on us and its impact on the world. And then we can speak out of that. Um, it's not going to do anyone much good if we're just like mechanically reciting things that we don't necessarily believe. So we need to believe this stuff and understand it and uh, be speaking out of that. So these next two goals kind of call out more specific um, themes or situations. So this is the speaking truth and love and encouraging one another daily. So this idea of speaking truth and love, this comes straight from Ephesians 4. And I would suggest reading this whole chapter. It's just really solid and has, yeah, just a lot of things to consider as we think about how we relate to each other and how we can be um, speaking truth into different situations. So Paul um, begins this chapter saying, I urge you to lead a life worthy of the calling that you've received. So when we speak truth to each other, we are speaking the truth to help others 
lead a life worthy of the calling that they have received. And uh, examples of times when we might do this is when we see someone who is struggling to show humility, struggling to show gentleness, or struggling to show patience, you know, we're gonna we're gonna correct them, put them back on track with those things. When we see someone struggling to live with other people in love or to relate to other people in love, we're gonna remind them of what God calls us to in that. When we see Christians not living in unity with other Christians, we're gonna remind them that God calls us to live in unity. Um, you know, when we see people with like blatantly wrong ideas or wrong ways of thinking, we're gonna gently correct that because we know um, it's gonna be better for them if we can help them correct those ideas. If we see areas in people's lives where they can grow in maturity, we're gonna point that out and we're gonna show them ways to, that they can grow as we all grow together in maturity in Christ. And uh, you know, when we see obvious sin in people's lives, we're gonna call for repentance and we're gonna show people that they, they've been made new and help them to uh, live up to that. So the, the other half of this that Manny was kind of referring to is the, the speaking truth in love. And the in love part is, you know, just as important as the, the speaking in truth part. So we need to speak in love as Jesus has loved us. Um, our hearts should be set on the benefit of the person that we're talking to, not just on correcting them or convicting them, right? We shouldn't be approaching conversations holding um, the word like a hammer that we're just gonna like smash people and really, yeah, like now I have a chance to like really go after them for, for the bad things that they've done because I can use the word. Like that's not the way we should be approaching this. This is for the benefit of people. This is not so that we can like take out our anger on people and use the Bible as an excuse. So truth and love together, we have to have them both in these conversations. Um, without truth, we will probably avoid saying the things we need to say. We'll avoid the truth, which is the harder thing to say. And uh, without love, we risk saying things that we should not say. So we risk saying mean things because we're not acting out of love for the people that we're talking to. All right, so this other goal, which is kind of like just another facet of how we can share the word with each other and different situations we can approach is encouraging one another daily. So in Hebrews 3, it says, uh, see to it that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart which turns away from God, but encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's lies. So this is, you know, commanding us to take a, a protective measure against lies that sin tries to sneak into our lives. I want to be like really clear that this is not saying that people who need encouragement or people who are going through hard times are sinning. This is like a proactive measure against what sin can do to us. But it's not saying that we should be encouraging each other just when we're we're living in sin. We need to be like getting ahead of this. Um, I like to, to think of this as we are reminding people of the truth of God's love and hope. So some different examples of what that might look like is that we are reminding people about the work that God is doing in their lives. And that can be the things that we see right now. And that can also be the things that we know that God has promised he's going to do in their lives. Um, this can also be reminding people about their identity in God. So thinking about how people see themselves versus how we know God sees them and reminding them about that. This is reminding people about their relationship to sin. So reminding people that they are not slaves to sin and that God grants freedom and that's what he came to do. Um, reminding people about the work that God is doing in this world. When the news, social media is so often filled with all the bad things that are happening, reminding people that God's kingdom is here now at work 
and that more and more it will be here. And then, uh, you know, reminding people that God is with them in difficult times, that his spirit is with them when they go through difficult times and that he's given them this community, the whole community, like capital C church community of God, whatever that looks like for them to be with them in difficult times. So when I first read about this idea of um, encouraging one another daily, I definitely thought much more about just people going through hard times. And those people definitely need encouragement. I don't want to discount that at all. That's super important. But I think we miss out on so many opportunities if we're only encouraging people that are going through difficult times, or if we only encourage people that are going through difficult times that we are aware of and that we can see. We need to be very proactive about this, um, partly because we can be really good about like hiding the difficult things that are happening. Like we can very easily put on this face, right? That looks like, you know, everything's good. Nothing, nothing's really that bad right now. And, uh, if we just go off that, then we, we miss chances to encourage people that are going through tough times. But I think the, you know, the deeper, more foundational reason is that we just need to always be building each other up for the good times and the bad times. We need to always be um, setting these foundational layers of truth and hope to protect it, protect us against this uh, deceitfulness of sin's lies and to prepare us for, you know, what, what life has for us and just remind us of the work that God is doing in and around us. Um, all right, so I'm going to turn it over to Hannah for some case studies now. Hello, everyone. I'm Hannah. I am part of the cohort, and I have some case studies to rack your brain. Um, don't stress yourself out too much over these. When I was making them, I was like, do I need to know the answers to them? Because I feel like I should. And like, it's okay if you don't. I think um, for me, it was like, I had to talk through it with Leslie and Brad to be like, how do I even come up with answers to these? Because I don't even know <laughs> what they are. And so we're going to like, I'm going to tell you guys what these case studies are. I'm also going to post a link in the chat to them. So it's dentonorch.com slash case studies. And it's up. Okay. So if you go to that, um, we'll get to read three different case studies that you guys can choose from today. In your group, just go over one of them, or if you have time, you could go over two or three, um, but we're only gonna take about 10 minutes in each group. So the first one is a fellow Chula team member, and Chula, for those of y'all who are new, it's like our um, like little leadership teams that we have. So a fellow Chula team member, has a tendency to overshare and dominate conversations, not so much with the amount of words, but with the forcefulness of their judgmental opinions. Thankfully, their opinions are quoted from scripture, but their use of scripture is often sort of shallow and more useful in the moment than really, than really gets at a heart of what the scripture is saying. It also isn't usually very pertinent to the conversation either. You think they mean well and are trying to help contribute to the conversation, but the way it's presented is a holier than thou and worse, it's a, the way that it receives it is received sort of shuts down the conversation. So how would you help guide them to use scripture wisely? So that's the first one. And we'll go over the second one. So one of the people in your LTG and an LTG is like a, like uh, it could be two, it could be three, four people. Uh, it's just your smallest group really. So, um, and if you haven't signed up for one, sign up for one. Uh, one of the people in your LTG is really having trouble enjoying their work and their work environment. They haven't been in their job that long, but admittedly have a terrible attitude. Their attitude doesn't really seem justified to you because it's a pretty normal work environment from your perspective. And even after asking a lot of questions, neither one of you can really put your finger on what the issue is. How would you help reframe their understanding of their work situation by using scripture? All right, so now the third one. A new person comes to your small group and expresses some politically conservative viewpoints. 
One of your more consistent members is quick to joke about this new person's backwards understanding of the world. It isn't really funny, it's biting. They, would, they apologize when it isn't received well, but then proceed to sort of dig a deeper hole explaining how they weren't serious even though everyone knows they were. This person has a tendency towards expressing strong political opinions that don't really have much nuance, nor do they invite discussion. How would you speak words of truth into that situation in that moment? So these are all um, kind of difficult. So that's why we are spreading you guys into groups. Um, don't be afraid to share your thoughts openly and like, it's okay if like we mess up and we're wrong in this situation. That's why we're doing this leadership training so that when these things like come up, you know how to do it. So in this uh, segment, just feel free to make mistakes. It's okay. Like, let's just all talk about it, discuss it. And then we're going to come back uh, together after this 10 minute small group and uh, share what we came up with. So Jam uh, is gonna break us up into groups. Um, and then you guys can discuss amongst yourself what, uh, which case study you want to take on. Um, who wants to share about the first case study? Just speak. <laughs> Did nobody do it? Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll share about the first case study then. That's amazing. Okay. Um, so this one was with the Tula team member um, that can be a bit judgmental when sharing scripture. And that can be a little intimidating to uh, speak on. But I think one of the best things to do is just to let them know that you know that they mean well, but that like the way that they're communicating scripture isn't necessarily being received well. So it's just like Manny and Ryan were saying earlier to speak in gentleness and being like Christ and how we speak scripture. So in my experience with situations like this, it's mostly results from like the way that person views God. Um, they see God and Jesus as a very judgmental God. And so they will interpret scripture from that viewpoint. And something that would be really helpful is to like ask them to read the gospel of John. Um, because you want them to like think through that gospel with these two questions in mind, like what does this say about the heart of God and how does this gospel show how Jesus loved? Um, because a loving Jesus in this context is very opposite of the judgmental view that they have. So you'll get a lot of good conversation afterwards if they do it. And then you can kind of like from there break down how they're interpreting scripture and how they could communicate scripture in a gentle and loving way. Um, cool. So what about the second one? We had people who did that, right? Okay, cool. All right, you guys can share. Yeah, one thing that we talked a lot about, Shayla had just brought up how important it is just to ask a lot of questions. And I feel like this can just apply to all situations. Instead of going in with an agenda all the time with people and trying to change people in one conversation, just asking them a lot of questions, building a relationship with them and, and being okay with change over a longer period of time than we usually want. Yeah. Um, but just, just really starting with prayer. And my big question, which we talked about was just like, sometimes I don't, I just don't know how, like if you can tell somebody's heart and something is kind of weird and you're, you're with them in conversation, you want them to trust you, how do you pray for that? How do you pray for the things that they want to, but also pray for like God's will in it? Um, and Shayla had given a, a really good list of questions that I can read that you can think through personally and then like also be praying with through other people. And the first one was how people, oh wait, asking God, what am I feeling? And then asking God, why am I feeling these things? And then asking him, should I be feeling these things? And then what's true here? And then just taking a lot of time to think through those. So that was pretty helpful. Yeah, and those those questions would be like for the person who's struggling with their work, but both people could be praying those together, um, asking God those together, but more directed at the person who's having a, a, a bad attitude about work, so. Cool, any other thoughts? I have some from our group. Cool. Um, 
so we talked to like we had some verses that, that came to mind the most specific one was colossians three twenty three, which is like in the context of like paul telling like slaves not just to work at w- with all their heart not working for man but for god um and like i think that can apply to the situation but we did we were saying like there's so many other steps that need to happen before you get to like sharing that verse. So like how Don had said, if we're just sharing verses, like we're going to end up like the person in number one, just being a little bit holier than thou. Um, and Aaron shared something cool about like asking them what verses or have you looked up and what have you seen in the Bible that like helps you understand, not understanding that like, it's not all on me talking to this person i have to convince them like see where god's been working already in their heart i would probably want to bring up ecclesiastes at some point because it talks a lot about work and how there is just kind of like futility and frustration and uh like toil in the work that we have to do in this era (laughs) and so just i think it can be helpful to figure out like what's a reasonable expectation of how much i should like enjoy and find satisfaction in my work yeah, something that was uh, mentioned in our group, I, I kind of talked about a certain verse, I think in either first or second Timothy that spoke about um, studying hard or working hard to prove yourself as a workman or a good workman um, and kind of taking or adopting the attitude that like you're not necessarily working for yourself or for your like physical employer, but more so thinking that you're working for God and that the work that you're doing um, is for him and that you're, you know, providing, um, you know, that kind of work as a, as a response to how good he is. And then Debbie made some good points about just whenever we are complaining and being complacent that we are forgetting to be thankful and forgetting to realize like how good God has been and how great of an opportunity that we have to be able to work and be able to do the things that we are. And so I thought that was really helpful and really good. Um, because, uh, yeah, I think it is pretty easy to complain about work and it is pretty easy to get frustrated, but it's also something else to be thankful for the job that you have and for the opportunity to earn money and to support yourself and others. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. There's uh, two scriptures that come to mind that uh, reflect what Bacalay was just saying, which is Philippians 2, 14 through 16. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that I did my work um, was not useless. And there's also Matthew 5, 16 that says, let your, shi- light, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. So kind of like leads back to the Colossians verse of like work for God, not for men. Um, like, cause as we like live as disciples, it's so important that we're like reflecting Jesus in our work so that people who don't know Jesus can see Jesus in how we work and in our attitudes and everything so yeah those are all really good answers anyone else have any um last minute thoughts before we go on to the third one all right the third one i know that the group i was placed in did that did anyone else do that oh awesome okay cool okay cool so let's share our thoughts on that one I can kind of summarize. Uh, So where do I start? Okay, so Coral made a good point of like, is this, are we talking about in the moment or the follow-up? And so we kind of talked about how like the follow-up would be really important. Um, And then Kyle mentioned how like confrontation isn't super easy. And so maybe someone wanted to like give feedback to the person who made the conservative comment but they chose to use it to do it in like a sarcastic and hurtful way and so like then we all just kind of talked about how we can use that as a way to talk about like you can disagree with people respectfully basically like how can we have these conversations in a respectful way using that moment 
to kind of lay a ground rule of like, we're gonna be respectful of each other and different viewpoints. And we can discuss that in like a more helpful way rather than like a sarcastic biting comment. Um, but that would also just be important to like follow up with that person, figure out like what's going on in their heart. Um, like Manny mentioned after we left the group, but like pointing out that the people in the group are image bearers and you're not really treating them that way whenever you're hurtful. <clears throat> um, but even like you said, Hannah, like maybe they're having some, or very likely they're having some misconceptions about God and like their role in the, in the group or their role as a Christian. If things are coming across this way, then like there's something underneath that is probably misaligned. And so maybe working with them to identify some scripture um, that they could, could research or research or like study um, to kind of align their heart back with a more loving <laughs> and gentle um, response to people that they disagree with. Yeah, cool. Any other thoughts? Someone in my group speak. <laughs> um, well, so my, um, my only point on this one will be um, how this make us look different than the war we live in. Because mm -hmm. um, it's easy to like, um, you know, make fun of another person who thinks differently. Uh, but, you know, we see that outside a lot, right? Um, so, you know, how in our community we are like, having unity, you know, as a church uh, and someone who like, you know, just even we have different opinions, uh, we're still united, no matter there's different ideas. Yeah, unity is a big one in this one. Anybody else? Um, one of the people in my group mentioned how it would be wise to like, you have like a in the moment response and then also to sort of like follow up one-on-one -on -one with, um, like the people in the confrontation. Um, yeah, just so it isn't all, like it's like good to have like maybe a direct um, like communication with that and how it affected like each party and like what, how to like move on, if that makes sense. <laughs> awesome. Anyone have anything else that they wanna share before I uh, go on with this one? I'll share. I didn't share in my group this, but um, I think it's really important to like set the tone for the Bible study because like that new person that's coming in, they're going to know like what's good, what's bad. Like, is this allowed here? Like they're going to know what you value in the Bible study. And then the rest of your group is going to be like, okay, that's not like an acceptable thing to do. So I think it's a really important thing to set the precedent for the rest of your Bible study group year or whatever. Yeah, that's really good. Cool. So this one was like a bit of a, like a tricky one, <laughs> a little bit of a trick question because I end it with like in that moment. So um, the, the part that's like tricky is it doesn't really need to all be solved in that moment, which y'all got, which is great. Um, so it's like, Manny said earlier, we need to speak the truth with like grace and like gentleness. So it would be good to remind them that unity is in Christ and not in our politics. Like we may have different opinions, but that's okay. And you guys got that, so it's awesome. So those opinions though, like if you're gonna share them should be exp expressed in a loving and respectful manner. Um, you can even like, ask them to explain themselves later with scripture if but just don't make it a debate you know um tell them they could do that later if they feel so called to <laughs> um but i mean like something that when i was talking through this with leslie she pointed out like even the jews and gentiles like had different opinions and they thought they were so right in them you know um but luckily we don't have to <laughs> base our identity in those opinions but in christ so yeah um, something that would be good to direct them to is 1 Corinthians 13 about speaking the truth in love. Um, the whole passage is really good, but I'll just finish up here by reading verses 4 uh, through 8 in the NLT version. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. 
It does not rejoice about injustice or rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So yeah, um, so that's it for the case studies. I hope you guys learned something from them. And I, I don't know if we have like a, an elder closing us out or what's that look like? <laughs> Nothing? Okay, I can pray us out. All right. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for joining us for this leadership training. If you guys have any questions for me, Manny or Ryan or the staff, feel free to like talk to us afterwards. We'd love to do that. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today um, and just teaching us how to speak the truth in love and how to use scripture well um, as a leader and disciple. Um, I pray that we would just remember how to speak gently and speak in love and your kindness and with patience, um, that we remember that it's not about us and how we look, but it's about glorifying you and how we can best reflect you um, and how we can just be good, faithful disciples and bringing others closer to you by using your scripture that can cut through people's hearts and just really bring like life and change that's good. <laughs> And so we just thank you, God, again um, for these resources and for people that we can talk to about this and be encouraged by. And even though it's a rainy day, thank you for the good day. <laughs> thank you for the rain and that we all have a good day. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.